You're going to get fired. You're going to be in so much trouble. Yes, I want the Maserati. Yes, I want the Academy Award. I wanted it when I was 12, and I still want it to this day. I was born in 1944 and we were living in St. Paul, Minnesota. And back then nobody had air conditioning. So my room was up on the second floor and the girl next door, of course, windows are open and she would play sentimental journey over and over and over. Well, I was like a couple months old. And my mom, mom told me later that that must've been the start of my Doris Day interest. You know, here I'm hearing all this, but, and then I had a teacher in high school, Sister Beth, she was always after me, Marianne, if you'd only spend as much time on your homework as you do on Doris Day, you'd be a fine student. And I, I just got a kick out of that. But anyway, she told me later on, you know, she felt bad about telling me that, but, you know, had to keep me in line. So I thought, well, you had to do what you had to do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I just, after seeing Doris and Calamity Jane in 1953, there was just something about her her wholesomeness and positivity and you know bouncy everything and uh, yeah somehow that just attracted me and so I just kind of you know saw other movies and everything and then we moved to Indianapolis um, there was a Murphy's five and dime store and they'd have the different movie magazines every month and of course I'd run over and read them all and uh, Photoplay one day had a uh, article if you want to connect with your favorite celebrity write to them and they'll let you know who it is, who to contact. Also, I wrote off and lo and behold, I get this answer from them saying the only official Doris Day fan club was in London, England. So I thought, okay, I'm right to London, England and connected with them. And back then, this was in the late 50s, early 60s, um, Doris was making movies and recordings. So a quarterly journal came out, you know, telling about the updates on what she was doing. And periodically somebody a fan would write that they saw her at a Dodger or Laker game. And one girl in particular, Eileen from Canton, Ohio, wrote that she saw her and, you know, Doris was so nice and everything. And so anyway, uh, I wrote to, I asked the, I wrote to the fan club and I said, could I connect with Eileen? And, you know, today they would never do anything like that, but they gave me her contact information and I wrote to her and I said, the next time you plan to go to California, if you want to stay with us, fine. And so she wrote back and said, uh, you know, she didn't have any plans at the time, but you know, if she, when she next would go, she would let me know. So a year or so later, she called and said, I'm headed to California. And I said, Oh, fine. Come stay with us. And she, uh, she did. My parents were like, well, who is she? You know, how do you know mm -hmm. her? They were freaked out. Anyway, she stayed overnight and, you know, I had to go to school the next day. But uh, long story short, she eventually did move to California, like in 1964. And she mentioned to me, if I ever want to come out to visit sometime, I could stay with her. I thought, oh, great. But I had no plans at the time. Then finally, in 1965, I was in college and I thought, I'd really like to make that trip. And so I asked a friend of mine to go with me and I called Eileen and she's oh sure you can stay with us so uh got out there 
We drove by Doris's house, I don't know how many times, never saw her. I had been in touch with her secretary at the time and she couldn't promise anything, but she arranged for us to have a tour, private tour of MGM Studios. So we went there and of course the day we went there, Doris was in Catalina filming Glass Bottom Boat. So the next day we went to Catalina, well, Doris is back at MGM filming. So never did see her, but anyway, I kept in touch with the girls and then the following year came out in 66. I had graduated from college at that point and we never did see Doris, but finally in 67, at that time I was a reporter for the Indianapolis News and uh, I had written, been in touch with her secretary whom I'm still in touch with now after all these years. And she said, you know, Doris would be happy to meet you. And so uh, we didn't know for sure what day, but I was out there for a week and anyway, so I'll never forget, we were sitting at Bailey's Bakery, this little bakery place that Doris would go to, ride her bike from her house four blocks down. And uh, I purposely didn't face the door because I thought if I saw her walk through that door, I'd pass out. So mm. anyway, you know, the girls were teasing me. They said, oh, here she comes. I turn around to be some old lady coming in or something other. So mm. after about oh, 20 minutes or so, they did that again. I'd just taken a bite of a sweet roll. And they say, oh, here's Doris. And then I hear her voice. I am literally choking because I can't believe she's there. And I'm, you know, anyway, long story short, mm. she came over, gave me a big hug. And we just, you know, I was just in awe. And she said, well, let's sit over here together by ourselves. So I go in full reporter mood, you know, asking all kinds of questions. And anyway, she, she was so kind and, you know, had all the time in the world, really. We were there at least two hours or more. And she said, she'll have to go on her husband comes because they rode bikes and their office was on the next block and so we're all praying oh please marty don't come for three weeks or something but mm -hmm. anyhow he finally did show up and so she said come on girls i want you to meet him so she introduced everybody and i was the last one and she said marty this is marianne she's a reporter for the indianapolis news well his facial expression just so oh, changed completely because he was used to controlling all her interviews and all that she just right. kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, oh, Marty, she's a friend of mine. So that was it. Well, I knew then, as much as I loved my job at the Indianapolis News, I wanted to move to California. So I told my parents, and they weren't too thrilled because my brother had just died two years before. But anyway, I Mary, one of the girls that I had got to know through with the Doris group, she had just graduated from high school. She said, let's get an apartment. So we wanted to be within biking distance to the bakery and all that. And uh, what we found, could you believe this was back in 1968? I mean, we had a, a nice apartment one block from Beverly Hills. My half of the rent was 6250 God knows what it would be today. It was on Olympic Boulevard. We're one block from Beverly Hills. But anyway, so we'd see Doris and... Uh, on weekends because you know, she was free then. And uh, I was working for the May Company in public relations. And uh, then I had a, my girlfriend's brother, we kind of dated and we had, uh, we were in a horrible car accident and uh, I broke both legs and my arm and all this, but Doris was so kind. She kept in touch and her mother came over and all that. And once I recovered, I went back to my job at the May Company and she said, she called me two days later. She said, 
how would you like to come work for me and be my secretary? Well, oh my God, it was like, are you serious? You know, and anyway, I said, yes, yes, yes. So I told my boss and they were happy for me. So I, um, you know, I was glad I had that car accident because that kind of paved the way for me to get to know her and her mother better and everything. And uh, so uh, at that time, she was working on the last two years of her TV show at CBS in Studio City. So she said, come to my house. And then her driver would come over and she'd be in the back seat with like two or three dogs. And I'd be sitting in the front with the driver with the dog. And we'd head over to CBS Studio City. And uh, she had the dressing room that Barbara Stanwyck had for Big Valley. And it was very nice, had a, like a living room area, kitchenette and a dressing room and a full bath and shower. And it was off the two stages. The You just go out this door and you're on stage one, stage two. and it was really nice. And uh, so we get there <coughs> seven in the morning and she'd rehearse and do all this. And uh, I was on the set a few times, not a lot, but I had uh, my office was right there. I had my selectric typewriter with, mm-hmm. you know, be typing up all her fan mail and different things. And uh, she'd come in and out and we just, you know, it was just fun. For sure. And I mentioned before, I mean, the the idea of working with Doris and meeting her and all that if you were to tell your younger self like it you wouldn't believe what you're saying you know right um oh I know yeah and I wanted to I wanted to ask this question again because it was really good um when I meet when I meet people for the first time celebrities um you have this you're in, you're in awe and you're, you have start, you're starstruck. Right. But eventually through doing interviews and stuff, I learn about people. And the more I do, the more I realize that they are people just like you and I, how long did it take for the starstruck, the awe, how long did it take for that to kind of subside and you became close friends with Doris? Well, I think, you know, even before I started working for her, when we'd meet her at the bakery, you know, have breakfast or lunch, <laughs> usually breakfast, she was just down to earth. You know, we'd mm-hmm. be talking about all kinds. And people would say, well, even when I was working for her, what'd you talk about? You know, movie star stuff? I said, no, we'd talk about religion. We'd talk politics. She was a good friend of Ronald Reagan, and he was the governor at the time. And it was cute. Every For different holidays, he would have somebody come over and deliver a... Uh, container of uh, I think pretzels or something that he liked for her and uh, it was you know we just talk about everyday things and it wasn't movie star stuff she wasn't into all that That was her job she did it came home that was it you know and of course she was very much interested in animals and I was with her at the beginning of the actors and others for animals Richard Basart started it and uh, she was one of the members and we'd go to different meetings. One of the meetings was at Rick Nelson's house because his wife was on the board and uh, it was, you know, she got, had always had a passion for animals, but uh, the actors and others just kind of brought it out back because the very, this is before I was working for the very first actors and others event was at a school in uh, North Hollywood and Lucy was there. It was neat to see Lucy and Doris at you know, different people, and they were just, mm-hmm. you know, all this animal uh, welfare stuff going on, and uh, that was her passion for 
you know, care for the animals. And when I lived yeah. with her, she had uh, <clears throat> 11 dogs. I slept with four. I had Bobo and Charlie and Rudy and Shotzi, and she had the other seven. But they were all well-behaved. People say, you had that many dogs in the house? Yeah. Didn't it smell? I said, no, no. I mean, they were well cared for and well-behaved, and it was just, you know, fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you... Did you end up ever meeting Reagan? This is just a curiosity question. No, I didn't end up meeting him, but um, the, the housekeeper that Doris had years, well, when I was there, uh, I forget why she left. But anyway, she ended up working for the Reagans once he was out of office. They were up in Santa Barbara or someplace. And hmm. so she would call me from the Reagan Ranch. But no, I never met him. What was your day-to-day -day routine when you were working with Doris? Well, of course, at the studio, it was, you know, drive over there, be there uh, like 6.30 almost, because she had to be on the set at 7. And then I was there, of course, I had my little office right there in the, her dressing room area. And, you know, she'd dictate letters in between scenes and stuff, and then you know, take the dogs out for a walk or make calls and stuff. And then I'd sit in and watch some of the shooting. And uh, then when the series ended filming in uh, December of 72, although it ran through 73, uh, the housekeeper that she had uh, was a young, well, you know, with 11 dogs, it's kind of hard to get a housekeeper because you call an right. agent and said, well, we have dogs. Well, how many? And they say 11. Well, they hung up most of the time. And then finally, wow. she found this one lovely young lady from Yugoslavia, Nada. And she started like in September. And anyway, everything was going fine. She was great with the animals, did everything, you know, like Doris wanted and all that. And then my uh, father had passed away in 71. And I was going wanting to go home for Christmas that uh, following, well, that uh, December. And so I asked Doris, would you mind if I take off a week or two to be with my mom? Because her mother was going down to Texas to be with her, uh, her daughter, well, her sister-in-law down there. And uh, anyway, Doris said, no, fine. Well, then Nada gets a call or something from Yugoslavia that her mother's real ill. So she, she's leaving. So all of a sudden Doris is going to be without anybody. And I can see she didn't want that. So I just, I called my mom. I said, would you mind if I come a week later? And she said, no, do whatever you have to do. So I did. I told Doris, I said, I can stay, stay until Nada or your mom comes back. And she, oh, she was just grateful because she didn't want to be there with, you know, 11 dogs by herself. Mm -hmm. So, well, that, you know, a couple days ended up two years practically because Nada never came back and it was just easier I knew the ropes to, you know, to do everything with her and she'd help feed the animals. It wasn't, I had to do all that and everything. And we knew she had certain things for certain ones and pills and this and this and this. And so it was, it was just fun. So Doris was, she was really involved with a lot of the things that some secretaries have to take on themselves. She was. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, yeah. And I've got a cute picture of her vacuuming. And, and she, she'd do stuff like that. And, you know, just, uh, she was a kind of a neat freak at times, but she, uh, she was fun. And Billy DeWolf was one of her friends from way back. He had done a couple of movies with her. He would come over and they would have, you know, we'd have fun together. And she just, uh, 
you know, she, she didn't, she wasn't one that had to run out and be seen here and there and all that. She just, that was her job, her work, mm-hmm. and, you know, she came home and then, uh, like I said, her series ended in five years. And, uh, so we just had fun. She had a nice backyard, big pool. We'd be swim, swim in the pool and, you know, she had a beautiful garden. She had a nice, but what's interesting, one of the, the gardener that she had at this one particular time, young guy, and he came to me, this was, oh, I think like in March of 74. And he said, do you think Doris is going to the Academy Awards this year? And I said, I have no idea. She never talked about, it. she could care less really about that. Marty, mm-hmm. her husband, he wanted to be seen at all these things and everything. And, and so the gardener said, well, I know all the celebrities get tickets. Why didn't you ask her? I thought, well, okay. So I go in. She's in her bedroom there fixing up something. I said, Doris, are you going to the Academy Awards this year? And she said, no, do you want the tickets? And I, I just about like, what? And <laughs> yes, I just, you know, profusely thanked her and everything. And so I ran out to the gardener. I said, hey, we're going to the Academy Awards. The Academy Awards, so, no way. So he took, he took his wife and I took a friend. And what was so interesting, it was... Um, April 2nd, 1974. And of course you go in with your tickets and we, we were nobodies, but we had star tickets. So we're walking down the red carpet, you know, there was press on either side and army archered and different Rona Barrett and all these people looking at who are those for, you know, but we were walking down this red carpet behind Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and in front of Paul and Linda McCartney. You know, just walking in like we had good sense. And we get on the elevator with Walter Matthau and Shirley MacLaine. And we're sitting, her seats were front center, you know, the balcony. And uh, it was downtown. I can't remember what the theater was. But anyway, it was uh, David Nippon was the uh, MC that year. And so he's at the podium. And all of a sudden, you see this naked guy running <laughs> It was the year of the streaker, and you don't the know streaker. whether he was. Oh. Uh, yeah, you don't know whether he was in on it or not. But the audience was just screaming, hollering, laughing, and everything. And David's just hanging onto the podium, and he looks around and says, "What an act!" No, he said, "The only thing that guy's going to be remembered for are his shortcomings." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Elizabeth Taylor comes out right after that, and she's holding onto the podium, and she said, "What an act to follow!" <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know who would have thought you know it was just but it was fun to to be there who i never would have thought i never would have thought to ask doris about going i didn't know they got tickets didn't you know never crossed my mind but thank god for the gardener so that was something i could say well i did that yeah you've been to the academy awards that's yeah and she was so she said would you like the tickets i said oh yeah you know i run out to the garden we're going to the academy awards so did you sit where doris would have would have been sitting yeah yeah so who was who who was your in front do you remember who was like in front of you we were right right in the front we were right in front we're in the balcony that we were balcony you know front center balcony yeah so there was nobody in front just i don't remember who else was around there but all i remember is we walked down the aisle you know to get in down the so-called red carpet aisle and uh it was kind of cool i mean Sure I never, I never would have dreamt anything like that. But thank God for the gardener. Yeah, I wonder why Doris didn't want to go. Was it just she not wasn't better? into all. She wasn't into right. all that stuff. 
You know, right, she had gone, yeah. she went, uh, wasn't the Academy Awards, it was something else when Jimmy Cagney was, because uh, I was living with her then, he was being given some big award and he came to pick her up. And, you know, she enjoyed something like that, but just to be seen at these things, she could care less. That wasn't her thing. She was very private that way. Yeah. You know, she did her work and that was it. She seems like very genuine and. Yeah. The girl next door. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you wrote a book based on your experience and your, and your, your life. And, and I remember we had, we had talked before long ago we talked before about right, how you right. <laughs> wrote right. it's from your writings so you want to tell us a little bit about that well yeah i uh, i think because I, my degree was in journalism and everything and i had been a reporter and i just you know things that had happened were things that were memorable to me and uh you know how i got started by contacting uh the fan club in london and all that and so i just kind of wrote down these things because, you know, especially when I was with Doris, things that were taking place, I hadn't planned on writing a book at the time, but just for my own sake to be able to go over memories. And then uh, in the like 2006, I think some books were starting to come out about her. And uh, a friend of mine, well, she had been our neighbor. We knew her through the Doris uh, group. She had moved back to Denver and we were talking and uh, I was just reading her something from, she asked about something that we had done and I was reading her from my manuscript of what, it was just a diary basically. And she said, what are you reading from? And I said, you know what I just wrote, you know, when different things that we do with Doris and all that. She said, you've got a book. So I began to think, hmm, well, you know, maybe with all these things coming up, but I didn't know anything buddy publishing or anything but then through a local uh, uh person on tv here uh we'd got to know each other a little bit and i mentioned to him something and he said well i know the baxters of hawthorne publishing and maybe they'd be interested so he got in touch with them and so nancy baxter called me and said let's have lunch and bring your manuscript and bring bring your manuscript to me and bring pictures for art because he was a huge fan and she was too, but he was more so. So we met for lunch and I brought my manuscript and then brought pictures for him. And she said, yeah, let's do a book. So mm-hmm. the first their first edition came out in uh, the end of 2007. And um, anyway, so then just last December, the updated version, I mean, it's basically the same, but they're color pictures now. And uh, since Doris passed away, there's a few extra uh, pages about that and everything but it's uh, it's just been fun sharing my story and people enjoy reading about you know how a young starstruck band followed her dream and that's why I try and tell young people well, older people too if you really want something go after it you know don't say I should have or I could have or I wish I had you know what do you got to lose go after it and uh, so I think now more than ever, it's a positive story that when people need positive uh, things to think about. Yeah. So, so uh, I just uh, keep sharing and I've met some interesting people. Uh, shortly after the book came out, about, I think it was 2008, I was a guest speaker at Deaconess Hospital down in Cincinnati. And it was early <coughs> February, I was going down, it was icy snowy and a friend went with me and 
got down there before the luncheon part, a lady came up to me. She said, I want to bring a friend of mine, but she's up in years and she's afraid to get out in the ice and snow. And I said, well, I can appreciate that. Because we slid down from Indianapolis. And anyway, but the rest of the story was she was in the train wreck with Doris in 1937. I said, oh, here, give her a book. So never dreamed I'd hear from this woman. And this was like February. And then it must've been early May or something. I got a call from the, uh, my publisher and said, there's a letter here for you. And I said, why would somebody send me a letter? Never got one there. But mm. anyway, cause they were out of town. It was at their post office. So I went over and got it. And it was from Marion uh, Bonecamp uh, Collins. And she was with Doris in uh, 1937. They were friends and they were double dating. And that's when the train hit the car. And uh, that's what changed Doris's life. Cause she get her leg was broken. Marion was one went through the windshield and all this and it was just horrific and so Marion said I'd like to meet you sometime so oh within the year I drove down with a friend and she took us on the Doris Day tour of Cincinnati which was awesome because you know you can see a couple things but somebody who actually was at all these places with Doris we saw where the train hit we saw the house that she grew up in we saw the dance studio where she took dancing lessons and even came home with a brick because they were remodeling. And, uh, oh, and then uh, downtown, um, the Netherlands Hotel where she sang and everything and just all kinds of things that on a normal tour you wouldn't see, but Marion had lived through all this stuff and she knew a lot of it. So that was fun. And that, I also met um, Bob Maltz, Dr. Bob Maltz. He was the one that I met again at an event down in Cincinnati and, um, he wanted to get the city of Cincinnati to honor Doris in some way. And they were, you know, working on things. He'd met with city councilmen and all kinds of people. And, you know, they were very interested in it, but they wanted some reaction from Doris, wanted her to come and all this. And I said, Bob, she's never going to come. You know, she was up in nine in the nineties then. And uh, anyway, I got in touch with Jackie Joseph because it came down to the point where if they had some kind of recognition from Doris, <clears throat> they would honor her with a certain day. And uh, so Jackie was able to arrange for Doris to do a, an audio piece. And so the city council and all that officially named Doris Day Day in Cincinnati in 2017. And there's a sign, I mean, the places of business don't have to change their address, but it's Doris Day way downtown and everything. So it was fun to be a little part of that, but yeah. Anyway, but it's just, I just enjoy talking to people and sharing positive stories because we need positive stories. Yes, absolutely. Especially with the year behind us and the year, oh the years ahead of us. Posit right. Positivity is something that uh, I like to focus on uh, you know, on the show as well. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I made a documentary that was an hour and three minutes that, and it was with a bunch of uh, um veteran actors and actresses and stuff sharing their message for for the youth and everything oh, and good. so yeah i'm i'm glad that um carol burnett was a part of that um and i had released her interview separately and your friend joy had put me in contact with you mm -hmm. and i'm very happy that you decided to join me earlier you said that you had some items that you would normally show and i was just wondering if you had them on hand if, at all any show and tell items that you'd like to feature 
Yeah, well, this, I think I sent you a picture of this, but this is Doris on her bike at Bailey's Bakery. You know, yeah. she'd ride her bike. And uh, this is a hat that she wore in one of the movies. I can't remember which one now, but she signed it in here. Love you, Marisie Dotes, Clara. She, wow. Because, you know, she'd sing Marisie Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lancy Dies to me. And so she'd call me Marisie and she was Clara. So those are a couple things, but she just, uh, well, she gave me some other things. I don't have them right near, but. Uh, no worries. Yeah. So where can we find your book to, if we want to get okay. your book? Uh, if they go to hawthornpub.com. Marianne, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for coming you. on the Dev Show. Oh, thank you. This has been a pleasure. Hope to meet you one day in person. Yes, absolutely. Come up to Canada um, one day and, and we'll do something in person for sure. Um, Joy and I should make a trip up there. Definitely do it. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to buy Marianne's book, take a look at the link in the description. You'll see it there. And you can also, you can, you're able to be booked to tell your story, right? Yes, yes. I'll leave her email in the description below. Thank you guys for watching. My name's Dev. This has been The Dev Show, and I'm out. Mm -hmm.